0: You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle. The women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Hey everybody. I'm Alex Navarro and we have AJ Jangle here. We're getting ready to start our brand new podcast, which we don't have a name for yet, but we're working on one. Hopefully we'll come up with something fun for you guys. But we're just here to talk about today, introduce ourselves, tell you guys a little bit about our experience with carbonite, car carb backloading, and how we got started. So why don't we get started? AJ, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, well, if you've... Uh... If you listen to Body IO, I think that was the first time that I was ever really associated with, um, with carb backloading and carb night through Kiefer's podcast. And how that started, I guess, was like just over, I guess it was a year and a half ago now, just over a year ago that I met yourself and Kiefer at a seminar and we started chatting and Um, It was great to meet like-minded people. I had at that point used carb night and carb backloading to um, completely change my physique and my whole way of life uh, to something that, you know, that was something I was always trying to achieve was consistent health and feeling good and control of my body composition. So I was extremely grateful uh, when I had met you guys that you... I don't know, just Kiefer's work opened my eyes to that world and that it was possible. And we've just kind of been communicating since then and worked together as coaches and it's been an awesome experience so far. And now I'm just, I feel totally blessed to be here to have this podcast with you.
0: I'm really excited. I'm really excited about it. I just think between the two of us and the experience we have and with ourselves for primarily, but also with clients and the the range of application between the two of us, I think we'll be able to share a lot of fun information and something that we kind of touched on earlier was, was the fun aspect of it and trying to make this process as much fun and as simple for everyone as possible. I think that's, that's always been one of my goals and I'm sure it has been one of yours as well. Is that right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, I think a lot of people dive into the material and then they try they just make it so complicated for themselves and if we can just take a step back and you know trust what we're doing and and simplify things it just it can be really really easy. There's no reason that you need to have like anxiety or stress about your your diet or your way of eating. And and what you said about how your background and my background covers a really good range of of clientele and experience. I, that's why I think that this is going to work so well because our backgrounds are a little bit opposite. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: but yet we end up here in the same place, and, and maybe that's a good place to start. If if Alex, if you want to give the audience a little bit of your background and and how you got turned on to this way of eating and how it's uh, positively affected your your life,
0: absolutely. It's been about four years now. I started, was, well, was introduced to carb back in 2010, and at that time I had been doing a couple years of competitions. I was working with a, a pretty well-known coach at the time, and I was doing the old school bodybuilding style approach to diet, which was very lean, very little fat, a lot of chicken, a lot of broccoli, and uh, a lot of whole grains like Ezekiel bread, and a lot of cardio, I mean, I was in the gym probably more than I was at home, because if I wasn't working, I was at the gym. It had become pretty much a part-time job, and that's really what I, I thought that it needed to be for me to reach the goals that I wanted. And after years of doing that and struggling, after every show got harder and harder, my body was more tired and seeing less results, I was really desperate for something new and you know, eating clean all the time is really hard. It's really hard. And it's not it's not a great way to live realistically. But again, I thought that i that's the way I needed needed to be in order to have the body I wanted compete, be the example of fitness for the clients that I was working with at the time. And when I was introduced to carb night, it sounded too good to be true, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure everybody sees that or or thinks that when they first read about it. And I remember sitting down with Kiefer the first time and I told him exactly what I wanted. My goal was to get the body that I wanted, which was pretty much stage ready and be able to keep that all year round. And for me, that didn't seem like an unreasonable request, (laughs) but it had been so hard to achieve all those years. And he said, you know, I can make that happen. And what you need to do is trust me and forget everything that you've ever learned. And again, I was desperate. So I was like, sure, what the hell, let's do it. And uh, I remember being a little afraid of all the fat at first, but feeling so good after eating it, feeling satisfied. And then having my first carb night come up, I was like, I wasn't even ready for it. You know, again, I was feeling so good from all the fat that I was then eating that Sure, I was excited for the carb night, but it wasn't, I wasn't desperate to have it like I probably would have before. And it's been four years and I've experimented a lot between carb night and carb backloading to basically be able to achieve anything I wanted at any given time. And it's been a lot of fun experimenting, you know, being able to use carb night for the aesthetic goals that I wanted when my body was exactly how I would wanted it to be or I was really happy, I could use carb backloading and play with strength, uh, muscle accumulation, gain some size in certain areas. And it's just been, again, a lot of fun uh, experimenting and seeing what these protocols can do and feeling in control of how I manipulate things and knowing what I can change whenever I want. So it's not only helped me with my goals, but it's helped me be able to work with a larger range of clients who have different goals as well. So uh, I'm always looking forward to the new research because it just gives me something else to play with, which is fun.
1: Isn't it crazy? Like you touched on something that I always, like I wake up every day and I'm like, I feel so in control. Whereas for years, I felt like my health, my physique, everything was just always... It was on that verge of like spiraling out of control. I, it just never felt like it was something that I could manipulate so precisely. Mm-hmm. And now it just fascinates me. Like I had a goal a few months to to just put on some muscle mass. I before Paleo FX, I just I had a lot on my plate. I got super stressed out. And I I I really lost a lot of weight unintentionally, even though I was eating quite a bit of food. I you know how it is when you get super stressed and busy. And that's just I mean, that was a big, you know, red flag for me. That's something that I need to be aware of that can happen to me quite easily. But you know, after that, I just I set a goal, I tweaked a little, you know, a few things with my nutrition and training. And like I can put on a few pounds of muscle and hold it there and keep my body composition there and then focus on performance and just tweak a few little things. And it's, I almost want to say it's effortless, not in the sense that it doesn't require some attention and, and listening to the feedback that your body's giving you and then reacting accordingly to make you know, proper adjustments. But I mean, before the thought that that was even possible like if someone had told me that I'd be in this position now where I would have this kind of control and confidence in the way I can manipulate things, Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't have believed them. And, you know, I I come from not the same background as you. I've never done, I've never been on stage in a bikini. I think that's super, super brave. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I give you props for that. It's it's not something that's appealed for me, to me. I'm like a total tomboy. So I maybe come from like the opposite spectrum Mm -hmm. where... I was involved in, so, I mean, when I was 18 years old, I started competing in snowboarding and I moved out West to like the Mecca of like snowboarding, which is Whistler, British Columbia. And I got into snowmobiling and motocross and mountain biking and I snowboard and ski. And in a lot of those sports, I did just recreational, but some of them I did on a competitive level. And, you know, I really still believe to this day had my health not spiraled out of control at a very young age that I would have had a professional snowboard career there's There's no doubt about that yeah. that ended because I felt like I was just at the mercy of my health and I did not know what to do, and I did not have anyone around me to give me the right advice, and even the people you know in their defense, the people that were giving me advice like they're just following government guidelines or you know whatever the doctor right. is telling them to do so. It's not like anyone was trying to do me wrong. It's just the information wasn't out there. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't have any options. I just thought to myself, well, this is maybe why some people don't become professional athletes, because they're not genetically gifted and they can't do it, which right, right. I don't believe in anymore. So, you know, and then when I got in when I got into the health and fitness industry, you, you mentioned something about you know, you kind of want to be that example for all your clients. And, you know, I felt my clients perceive me that way, but deep down inside, I just never really felt like I was really able to manipulate my body composition and my health the way I wanted to, or the way I thought could be possible. And I, I really just started exploring all the different options to see what was out there. And, um, I did the low fat thing for a while and that just, that was a nightmare. (laughs) And I think just the the timing with that, I mean, we can do episodes, I think, specific to what we experienced when we tried these different things. So maybe some women can relate to that and, and pick up on the red flags that you should be looking for and how to understand how your body's reacting to these things. And I kind of fell into like the paleo way of eating. So super restricted way of eating, not paying attention to my calories and macros I mean, it did me some good in the sense that I was probably eating less processed food, which I still think to this day is a good thing. Um, but I was never, still wasn't really manipulating my body composition the way I hoped. And I I started to become tired because I was like falling into that trap of that bulk cut cycle.
0: Right. Even yes. though I
1: wasn't doing in this competitively, I was just thinking to myself, man, if this, is what it takes to, I don't want to be a bodybuilder, but let's face it. I was a trainer. I was in the industry. I wanted to look like maybe, maybe she does go on stage. Maybe right. she does do bodybuilding competitions or bikini competitions. And, and I was just thinking to myself, if this is what I have to go through all the time, cycle after cycle, bulk, lean out, bulk. I was like, this is exhausting. I, I don't want this this bad. If this is what it entails, I'm not that interested.
0: Exactly. And, I felt the same way. I was like, if I can't fit in my clothes all year round, something's not right. Yeah. I shouldn't You're have like, to I buy mean, like a set of bulking clothes and then my lean clothes. I don't need two wardrobes. That that, that seems that seems silly.
1: It, it was silly. And I had the exact same thing. I basically had like a Rubbermaid full of clothes where it's like, these are the pants that fit me when I'm trying to gain muscle. And these are the clothes that fit me when I'm maybe trying to lean out because, you know, summer's coming or whatever. And it was, yeah, it was just absolutely ridiculous. And I really felt the health effects of that on my body. And I mean, I had beaten the crap out of myself for years doing sports, which I'm sure we'll do an episode on that. So that's a (laughs) different story. (laughs) But, um, you know, I just started looking around. I was like, no, there's people that have this dialed and maybe it's not me. Maybe it's not my genetics. Maybe it's just the knowledge that I have right now or the, you know, the people that I am surrounding myself with. Maybe I just need to expand my knowledge and look at a different way of doing things. And I'm trying, I was trying last night, I was, I was racking my brain. I was like, how did I first discover carbonite? Cause I know that you knew your story. And I was like, I, I don't know my story we're doing our podcast. I don't know how I first discovered it, but I think it went back to, um, just to kind of tie it into like bulking and cutting cycles, I did at one point try the anabolic diet. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I did that feeling not, I didn't get amazing body composition changes, but I remember feeling really, really good um, when I was doing ultra low carb. And, And for some reason, I think I was just starting to Google search anything that was like, cyclical ketogenic or whatever. And I think that that's how I came across carb night. And um, I forget where I'm going with this story, but I think that's how I came across carb night. And then like yourself, started manipulating that. That was like two and a half, maybe three years ago, started manipulating that and then came across carb backloading. And when I read that book, that's when my head exploded because <laughs> I had gone through a phase where just intuitively, when I look back at the point in time in my life where, I was kind of in control of my body composition. I felt really good. It was like intuitively carb backloading is what I was doing. And, and everyone I worked with thought I was crazy and told me to go on a mixed diet and started putting carbs back in breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, and so I did that. And guess what? I gained 15 pounds in like three months. Wow. And it wasn't, it wasn't muscle. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then that's where I kind of became altered confused. And then when I started reading carb night and carb backloading, I was like, you know what, when I look at the patterns in my life, I did the best, felt the best when I was low carb, high fat. And you said something about Kiefer just said to trust the diet.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you're lucky that, you know, he was sitting there telling you to trust the diet. (laughs) And I I imagine that that was quite powerful. And it was great to have someone there to tell you that. But for me, I was basically sitting there going, okay, I have to block out everyone else and trust what I know about myself, trust the, the facts that are in front of me, which is what, is what I'm doing right now is not working. Right. And I feel miserable. And I just had to do exactly what you said. Just trust it. Follow it by the book. Don't like get, um, I guess you have to like kind of a separate your emotional attachment to everything that you've been through with diet and what mm-hmm. your goals are and just put trust in it. Be consistent with it. Don't have diet ADD where you do it for like sixty days. And you <laughs> right. Ship. Uh, just put that trust and dedication into it, and it's like yeah, everything just started to change for me for the better. And it's I haven't looked back since. I I don't even know if you can convince me to eat carbs for breakfast. <laughs> you
0: think you, could. you can't for me. And honestly, in the in the four years that I've been doing this, I've probably had carbs for breakfast maybe four times. And maybe two of the times were the morning after a competition or Christmas morning. And even then, like, yes, I enjoyed them. They were good, but I didn't feel great. Like the rest of the day was pretty much screwed up because I started my day with carbs. And kind of what you said too, when I think back, like when I was younger even to the way that I ate and the way that I felt, I kind of did carb backloading. Like I rarely had breakfast. And my mom was a big health nut. So I would pack, you know, she, she wouldn't let us buy white bread or, or (laughs) white products, I should say. And I hated whole wheat bread. So I would always just grab the meat out of the sandwich or make some hard boiled eggs and bring string cheese and things like that. So really when I think about it, I was fairly low carb earlier in the day. And then we would have rice or, you know, pasta or some sort of bread with dinner. And when I think about you know, how I looked back then, granted, I was a teenager, but I was also heavily involved in sports and I always felt great. I don't remember ever having blood sugar issues or feeling tired. And, uh, you know, I was able to maintain how I looked easily. No problem.
1: So interesting that you said, um, you know, the way you're brought up and your mother was a health nut because my mom was actually my she's always kind of been involved in exercise. Mm -hmm. She was really the first woman I know that lifted weights. Granted, I don't, I wouldn't lift the weights, weights the way my mother does. (laughs) But really like, I mean, when she went through a rough period in her life, she started lifting weights and she was the first woman I know to do that. And I remember at one point I was like in my early 20s, I had put on almost like almost 40 pounds of fat at a point when I was super, super active in my life. And my mother came to visit me and she was like jacked. Okay. She had like, (laughs) she had amazing biceps. She was like, (laughs) she's in her late forties and I had become overweight. I Mm -hmm. was heavy. I was wearing, I don't know. I think my pants were like size 12, maybe more. And and I mean, I would always been before that, like 105 pounds as a mm-hmm. teenager, as a young adult. And I just remember seeing my mother and she was like ripped. And I was like, I was almost embarrassed to be seen with her. Like I would walk down the street and there was like all the guys were just looking at her and they're looking at me thinking, oh, is that your older sister? Or who is that? <laughs> and, and my mother, but what was interesting about that, what I want to tie in is like, Us women, we need to look at our mothers and see what's working and not working for them because genetics plays a huge role here. And I remember having, when you said something about eating carbs for breakfast and how you don't do it that often, and and when you do, the rest of the day can be quite messy. I always noticed that pattern with my mother. She has always just been like that sugar burner. If she's not eating food constantly, she tends to go kind of crazy and she gets hangry and you don't want to get near (laughs) her. And I saw that as such an obvious, like, I saw that controlling her. I saw it controlling her her daily patterns of like, oh, I can't go do go to this store and then pick up these groceries at this store and do these errands all in a row because I'm going to get hungry and my blood sugar is going to tank and I'm going to have to come home and eat or I'm going to have to go eat fast food. or. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, she's a prisoner to that. Yeah. I, I remember thinking of that and thinking, my mother, she goes through these, like, blood sugar regulation issues that she is a total prisoner to. And I saw that in myself when I was following these low-fat diets. And I saw that in myself, especially when I was going through those quote-unquote bulking phases. Right, Um, And I was like, wow, I'm turning into my mother and I know that that is causing her huge health issues and I just don't want to go there. Uh, and I just think that's really important. I ask a lot of my clients, I'm like, what's your mother like? Like, what kind of health issues does she suffer mm-hmm. from? And that's something that we should always reflect on because I find that that's so closely tied.
0: Absolutely. And I think that also ties into, you know, the, I don't want to say excuse, but but more often than not, it is, you know, that I'm, you know, a prisoner to my genetics. This is how my family looks, you know, everyone's overweight. So I'm destined to be overweight and that's untrue. And when I look at my mom, and I have two sisters, I'm in the middle of three girls, and not now, but before I started Carb Night, they were all overweight, significantly overweight. We're talking 40, 50 extra pounds. And d- d- diabetes runs in my family, so does high cholesterol, high blood pressure, there's heart attacks on my dad's side. And sure, I could be just as easily prone to any of those things as anybody else in my family. Yet, I've chosen to play with my food, to educate myself and try to get as far away from that as possible. Because I know what I could fall into if I just ate whatever I wanted all the time and didn't really care. So it's been fun for me also to show that side to my family. Like we don't have to be like this. If you don't want to, you know, we don't have to go to the doctor and get the list of prescription medi- medications that they're giving us because that's the only answer when it isn't. And so that was once I really understood carb night and was able to start applying it to other people, they were the first people I went after. <laughs> I was like, you guys got to try this.
1: <laughs> that's, that's awesome because my family was the first how First two people I got on carbonite was my sister and her husband to get ready for their wedding.
0: That's a good reason.
1: And her husband was like 200. And I think when we started, he was over 230. We got him just under 200, like within a matter of months mm-hmm. for their wedding. And, you know, I wish I have some of the text messages from him, but he's like, I haven't weighed this much since high school. Like, <laughs> That's fun. Going crazy. But, you know, they're Genetically, on his side too, and in, in my family, I I go through the same thing. My mother has high cholesterol. She's on thyroid medication. Um, I have relatives. I have on my mom's side of the family. I have you know relatives who are obese and relatives who are extremely, extremely, extremely thin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's a very wide spectrum, and you know just to talk about genetics a little bit, I'm sure that. I'm sure that people that know you now, like people that you meet now, you might get accused of being genetically gifted. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that more than once.
0: And
1: yeah, unfortunately, it's like, you know, I think the people that don't know us personally, they might stereotype us like that. But what I want to make very clear is that if I do not pay attention to my nutrition, if I do not train properly and- by properly, I don't mean train like crazy all the time. I mean properly, the right amount of training. Um, if, I, if I don't do those things, things swing in the other directions for me super, super quickly. I can pack on fat like nobody's business. So, you know, I always say to people, I'm like, well, I hate the term genetically gifted. I, I'll be the first one to tell you, yes, my body does respond well to lifting weights. Sure, mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But if I go and eat whatever the heck I want or don't pay attention to my health and my sleep and my stress levels, I can take a turn for, a wor- for the worst immediately. And, you know, and that's why when people try to like throw out that genetically gifted thing, it's like, well, you got to look at both sides of the coin here. You know, exactly. sure, there are some people out there who can get away with no sleep, eating whatever the heck they want, not, wor- not training, you know, properly or even frequently. And sure, maybe it's not a huge swing between what they might look like in either scenario. But for me, it's a pretty drastic swing.
0: (laughs) And it's a swing I'm sure you don't want to go on. You've been there. You've you've experienced that before. And if you know that there's another way, why not take it?
1: Yeah, and it it has nothing... Now, I'm not going to sit here and say it has nothing to do with like aesthetics or vanity. i'm I'm not going to lie. Like I like looking good. It makes me feel good. It gives me confidence. And I think that confidence is contagious. and i I like empowering people around me, and I like attracting confident people. So there is that side. But when people, you know if someone now said to me, "Well, you know, you do put time and energy into your nutrition, and you know, don't you just want pancakes for breakfast? I'm like, you know what? I don't want to feel like crap. Right. And, and when I start going down that path again, all aesthetics aside, I perform like crap. I feel like crap. Even when I sit down to do my work in the morning, work on my clients, do whatever I'm doing online,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: feel like crap. I'm not willing to feel like crap anymore because I know I don't have to. Right. Before, I used to think I had to feel like that. And that's, that's just so far gone now.
0: Right. And, and now, I mean, you can not have pancakes. You just have them later. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot more frequently than you would think. <laughs> exactly. And then there's no guilt I, associated with it either. And, you know, I think the guilt thing, at least for me back back in the day, was was always reoccurring. I mean, the guilt of me putting anything in my mouth that I wasn't supposed to, which was of course anything yummy, really. And uh, you know, the the punishment I would put on myself because of it and and the vicious cycle of that was really hard. And honestly, that's why back then I didn't feel confident providing nutritional advice for my clients. I only trained them in the gym. I just purely did weightlifting because I didn't have the control over my own health through nutrition. So why would I go and tell somebody else what to eat? I didn't feel confident doing that. And, uh, you know, they were always asking they're always well. What do you eat? What do you eat? And I, and I I was always hesitant to tell them because I didn't feel like it was working.
1: I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. So that's powerful because I think there's a lot of trainers in that position. And the fact of the matter is, it's like it's really hard to be an amazing nutrition coach an amazing hands-on trainer in the gym. There's uh, especially if you're training in like a big box gym.
0: <laughs> you, yes. They
1: don't give you the time to focus <laughs> on your client's nutrition. And and I always do the same thing. I used to outsource my nutrition. And then when I I changed my perspective, realizing that it's mostly nutrition, and that's what I want to get really good at because that's what changes people's lives.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and gives them the re- generally gives them the results that they want far beyond what they probably originally came in for. Hmm. Which is yeah, great.
1: I agree. And yeah, it's just one of those things that you, you said. It's all about educating yourself, and, and that's what I think you know, we try to do with our clients through Body IO is that we try to educate our clients. We're not, we're not holding their hand through every step. It's like, this is your life. This is your schedule. This is your family demands. How are you going to, how do you morph this to work for you? Mm-hmm. And, and then once you start doing that, what's your body telling you? Let's tweak it based on you. Not what's happening on a forum. Not, not what's happening on Facebook. What's happening with your body.
0: And it's amazing how many people are out of tune with that and you know if if when you think about simple questions like you know okay this is what i ate and this is how i felt the rest of the day because of it you ask somebody that question who's out of tune and they're like well i don't know i guess i felt okay or when they really think about it it's like oh actually i felt i was really tired or my stomach hurt and it's amazing how just out of tune so many people are with the bodies that they're in every day.
1: Yep. And I think that what you just said is I don't know if we're going to wrap up this podcast, but if we were to end it on that note it would be perfect because if I have a goal with this podcast for our listeners, it's to help them understand their body and how to be in tune with it. So all the topics that we're going to cover, we're like What are the red flags? Are you experiencing these things? And how do you adjust to help manage these things and overcome these obstacles based on what your body is telling you? That is really what it's all about. You can take all this information, but you have to apply it to you and you have to learn how to listen to your body. And guess what? Your body's changing all the time. Mm -hmm. So something that might not apply to you immediately right now you might just want to take a note because 6 might, months from now you might experience that and then guess what you can go back and listen to that podcast and you know figure out how do I troubleshoot this and really that's what it's about my body is changing all the time um, I don't I don't even want to say like I don't want to be cocky and say I'm one step ahead of it because I'm I, I don't believe that that you know that's the way I am I believe that I'm just on the ball when I notice things are happening I adapt I tweak things the way they need to be tweaked. And then I just wait for more feedback.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the feedback is key. And I think uh, you're right on with you know the goals of what we're trying to achieve here on the podcast, just sharing information. But, you know, the goal of Body.io as well in just getting good information and constantly evolving information, you know, when, when there's new research out, they're on it and they're on it yeah. for us. And everybody else who's listening to give you more tools for your toolbox, because it's your toolbox and you might not need certain tools right now, just like you said, but eventually you might. And they're good to have. I'd rather have a full toolbox of things that I might never use than have two tools that do nothing for me. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Cool. So I think that's what do we think? I think that's a great place to wrap it up and we'll just leave a little cliffhanger for next time.
1: I think it's awesome and I'm super excited about this and I'm not sure what our next podcast is going to be. So you're going to have to
0: tune in to listen to it. (laughs) Can't wait. It should be fun. All right. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
1: Been listening to her Body
0: IOFM with your hosts Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengel. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.